0: Hi, this is watching and you are now listening to the I Choose the Ladder podcast, a podcast for Black women on the corporate climb. This episode is brought to you by The Memo. Would you like a weekly dose of career inspiration curated specifically for you delivered to your inbox weekly? If you answered yes, then text CLIMB C-O-I-M-B, to 66866 to subscribe to our weekly newsletter, The Memo. Each week, I'll deliver a newsletter that includes career resources, career lessons, job opportunities, and opportunities for you to invest in your professional development. The memo is also how you'll find out about upcoming events like the I Choose the Ladder Career Summit and our pop-up dinners. Getting all of this is super easy. All you have to do is text CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B to 66866. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, I know that I'm a few weeks late with my New Year greetings, but if you subscribe to the newsletter, then you know that I have been traveling for three weeks. I went back to Africa, um, and I was changed forever in ways that I didn't anticipate. So this episode is going to be a different kind of episode. We will still have career gems and all that stuff being dropped, but this this is an episode that will allow you all to get to know me a little bit better and I'll probably share some stuff that I don't think I've ever shared publicly before. And it took me a while to record this because initially I was nervous and just wanted to do our normal format. But at this point, I'm actually really excited about sharing this stuff with you all because I think for those of you who don't know me, this will help explain why I move so boldly through my career choices, why I move so boldly through life. Um, And I promise you that we will get to the lessons that I learned and how I plan to apply them to my career this year. But I have to give you some background first so that the things at the end make a little bit of sense. So, as always, grab your notebook, grab a pen, grab some wine or some tea, um, and let's get to it. So, a little bit about me if you don't know, I think I mentioned this in the intro. Um, the intro episode so if you haven't listened to that that's the very first episode go ahead and take a listen but I was born in Liberia six years before the civil war started and initially like my parents never planned for us to live in the United States full-time when the war started my dad always says he underestimated how bad it would get and so he was in the U.S. when the war started he was in Chicago He came back because he didn't think it was going to be a big deal. He thought it would kind of just blow over, maybe be a little bit of unrest, but not a full-blown war. Um, And little did he know it would be a a full-blown war that lasted um, for quite some time. But my family lived through the war for about two years, um, and then we moved to the United States. And when we came to the United States, my parents thought that we'd be here for a maximum of about three years, and then we would move back to Liberia because... It was going to blow over, duh. Um, But fast forward 28 plus years later and uh, my siblings and I are all still living in the United States full time. uh, My parents actually split their time between Liberia and Chicago. Um, But that's only been for the last seven years or so. For the majority of my life, my entire family has been uh, in the United States full time and we just had not really thought through what it would mean to go back to live there until my dad uh, started working on a project in Liberia that required him to split his time between the US and Liberia. So leading up to the trip, oh, sorry. So for a really long time, I was not able to go to Liberia. I will spare you all the immigration drama for the last 28 years, but due to some pretty amazing things and people, I was able to get all the immigration stuff sorted out, and I found out in July that I would be able to travel to Liberia, which I didn't think would happen in this, you know, in, this, in the foreseeable future. And um, I was instantly very excited, and then that was also followed by a lot of emotions that I didn't even know I could feel um, so a little bit of background the war when the war started I was six years old and I still I was old enough to remember a lot of the things that happened and remember you know places like I can't remember faces and I can't remember um, like specifics around you know like where my school like locations of things but there are specific places that I definitely still remember and a lot of those places I remember in my mind because of trauma that was associated with those specific places. Um, I'll spare you the gory war details. My dad actually wrote a book about the war. So if you want uh, to read more about our experiences, feel free to shoot me an email at watching at laddercom I haven't read the book because my opinion is I was there. I don't need to relive it. However, I was told that I'm wrong. So I may actually, suck it up and read the book this year but if you want more information shoot me an email um but for a long time I like I think about the war every day it doesn't impact me on a but I don't think on an emotional level at least I didn't think so um but you know I, I, I thought about you know different places and I didn't know when I would see it again and so finding out that I could take the trip um literally made me um it made me anxious it made me uh concerned about a lot of things some of them made sense some of them didn't make any sense at all um but I just had a lot of anxiety around it and it showed up in different ways ways that I, I didn't know how to deal with all the time I think in the last newsletter a couple of newsletters before I talked about taking a break because there just seemed to be a lot of things going on that I couldn't process. And it was impacting my work. It was impacting my friendships. It was impacting my energy. It was impacting my food choices. Lord, we will get to that. Um, but how I responded to the anxiety, both consciously and subconsciously. First, everything seemed so hard, y'all. So for work, getting to work, and then you get there. And sending an email was stressful. And, and having meetings was stressful. And spending time with my coworkers was stressful. And everything just seemed to take... All of my energy that I could muster which was abnormal for me Um, next socializing so I'm someone who loves to entertain at home I love having my girlfriends over I love a good movie date I love a good you know just some good socializing being around people and I just wasn't with it like I wanted to be on my couch I didn't want to talk to anyone I didn't want to work on the podcast I didn't want to plan anything for anybody I just wanted to be left alone and honestly, I just had no motivation to do anything. I didn't care, right? I, I burned myself out over the course of a year because I went really hard. And then I just, I just could not get it together. Also, my attitude was terrible, right? I, I just, I was pessimistic all the time, which is weird because people who know me, like they joke that I'm always rainbows and cotton candy. I'm the person who's always trying to find a silver lining. I fundamentally believe that everything works out for good and that things will work out the way they're supposed to. I don't really worry. I'm not a natural worrier. Even during the war, I didn't worry a ton. There are stories that my parents tell about how I moved through that time in life. And it just, I've always been very positive. So the fact that everything got on my nerves, someone would say something that was completely innocent and all of a sudden I'm in a bad mood. I was like, girl, there is something going on with you. But I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, The second thing, chow, when I tell you all, I ate like food was going out of style. So, my comfort typically is food. And I think it's because during the war, there was a shortage of food that we had access to. So, as I've gotten older or as I've, you know, matured, the fact that I can afford to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, I take it like full advantage of that. And so, I was eating like there was about to be uh, a shortage of food and I just would never get access to it. And as a result, I ended the year, even though I worked out, the heaviest that I've been ever in my life. Just like when I got to Liberia, I I didn't even recognize myself because I had eaten my whole self and it was because I was feeling away about the trip. Um, and it just felt like food was my only friend. That sounds real weird. That sounds crazy. Now that I say it, it sounds insane, but I don't know if I cooked a meal or I ate a home cooked meal in all of Q4. If my mom didn't cook it and I didn't happen to go to her house and get food. I don't know that I ate a home cooked meal. Yo, that is insane. So obviously you guys understand that I was in bad shape. Um, It was, it was a lot. Uh, But I was fortunate in that I had resources that I had access to that I think helped me not be worse than I was prior to the trip. And so outside of my really close friends and my family, the things that I think helped me the most in preparing and kind of getting my mental state and getting me through that time because I at least showed up at work every day for the most part and I did my work and I still performed at a high level and I was still I still managed to keep my commitments for the most part. And I think I attribute that to, one, my therapist. My therapist is phenomenal. I like her because she asks me questions and she challenges my answers. She challenges the way that I think. um, And we'll get to that when we get to the lessons. But she's just been someone who has pushed from a place of, I think, genuine care. And it forced me to ask myself questions that I had not had the I would say not the courage but I just hadn't had the the ability to tap into those spaces so when it came to things like work like why was I going so hard and why was I achieve like feeling like I had to achieve and one of the questions that she asked me at one point as I was going through my schedule and all the things that I needed to do was why does it seem like you're always the last on your own priority list and I was like now hold on well, wait, what the last my priority list and she was like okay let's go through your schedule so we went through my schedule and I that day like I hadn't eaten I hadn't worked out I'd gotten the night before maybe four hours of sleep but I had managed to like attend a bunch of events and I did um some stuff for I choose a ladder and I developed did some stuff for work like tons of stuff for work and I showed up at this thing and she was like but well, hold on you found time for all of these things and you found time for none of the things that would nourish yourselves which you yourself but you claim that you're not the bottom of your priority list let's explore that and so that spiraled a bunch of things that had me feeling like oh you know I don't have time for this and and I just don't want to deal with it so I kind of put it to the back burner but it got me thinking and talking through some things some some strategies around how I could prepare myself for whatever came when I got back to Liberia was really phenomenal the second thing that I would say helped me were my coworkers and specifically my leadership team. Um, I work with some phenomenal people. And I think because over the course of the last two years, we've built an actual relationship. We support each other throughout the year because we have a really small staff and it requires a leadership team to work together uh, very closely. So we can tell when you know someone's off. And the way that they showed up for me, the way that they just like stepped up and held me up during the fourth quarter, I don't know how I can ever repay them. Um, I feel like it's such a blessing to work with people who care about you as a person and not just for what you can and cannot contribute to uh, the bottom line of the company or yeah, the bottom line of the company. So from my CEO to, uh, the other vice presidents of the company, they literally just held me down. So if there were important, you know, deadlines that were coming up and they wanted to make sure that I missed them, they made sure they reminded me in love. If there were events, because in Q4, I have a million events to attend because of the nature of my role. And I just couldn't muster up the energy. They would step in and they would go on my behalf. Um, Q4 in general for what I do is a really busy time but this year the uh, last Q4 we started planning because NBA All-Star is going to be in Chicago this year it hasn't been here for I feel like like 30 years and so it's a really big deal and I'm overseeing um, the activations and the partnerships that we do for for All-Star so add that on top of my normal regular crazy and it was just it was a lot for me. And part of my job that's not the events part is I I help with a lot of the operational stuff for the company. So making sure that we are running efficiently, the staff has what they need and and all of those things. And so some of them helped with some of those responsibilities and they stepped up and they weren't angry about it. They understood that I was going through some things and they may not have understood the full extent of it. But they held me up and I just don't know how I can say thank you or how I can stress to people who are in work environments the importance of making people feel valued outside of just being a staff a, a number on the HR sheet it literally it changed it changed the entire Q4 and it allowed me to to kind of heal some spaces that I needed to heal before I could go on this really big excursion um but yeah, I, I my coworkers were were phenomenal, and then I think the third thing was myself. I stepped up for myself in ways that I had not in a really long time, and I, specifically, I would say in the area of grace. So there's no one who is harder on me than me. And one thing I realized, and we'll get to this when we get to when I start talking about the lessons, is I've convinced myself about like about some crazy stories about myself that are not true and so i don't give myself a lot of grace when i mess up on something it's a big deal when i don't hit a goal it's a big deal when i don't feel like i've worked hard enough or given my all or that i showed up in the way that i wanted to the language that i use to talk to myself about myself whoo right and in q4 though i was so tapped out that i just didn't even have the energy and so i gave myself um a lot of grace, right? And there were just things that I physically just could not do. Um, I try to keep the judgment to a minimum and, and judging everything that I did. And I was talking to a few, a couple of my girlfriends about this. And we were saying that sometimes the way that we talk to ourselves, if someone talked to our best friend like that, we'd be ready to fight, right? If someone talked to an employee who worked for you like that, you would be ready to, be ready to you know, send some stuff to HR. Or if somebody talked to you like that, you would be ready to, you know, set up firm boundaries and making sure that it didn't occur again. And so, the fact that I gave myself permission to be so nasty to myself, I hadn't even realized it. But in Q four, like, I just didn't have the great, like I just didn't have the space to not give myself grace, and it was really helpful. I'm gonna be. Like, I'm not about to be a slacker this year, but I am going to try to extend myself the same grace that I extend to others and to be more understanding with the fact that, you know, I'm a human who's doing a lot and going through a lot. Um, And I think part of that, too, was giving myself to be honest with myself about why I was feeling the way that I was feeling when it boiled down to it. I was really scared. Right. Like I was happy that I was going back to Liberia. But again, I hadn't been there since I was six years old. Right? Well, I guess since I was eight years old because the war started when I was six and so a lot had changed both in me and in the country and I just didn't really know what to expect, you know, and on top of that, one, going back to a place that has some really traumatic memories, I didn't know what it would trigger in me and so I was really scared. Um, I'm someone who, although people think that I'm an extrovert, I need time to recharge once I've been spending a lot of time with people and so... Liberia is a very communal place, and so you are with people all the time. And I was, I was afraid that I wouldn't have um, any time to myself to regroup, because one, I can't go anywhere by myself. I don't know anybody, right? So I was dependent on my parents or um, a driver to take me here and there. I couldn't just say, hey, I'll be back and go for a walk somewhere by myself, because I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know the neighborhoods. I didn't. I didn't know anything. My where my parents currently have a house. Is not where i grew up and so it just everything was very foreign to me um i was also nervous that i would embarrass my parents or unintentionally offend someone because i didn't know the cultural expectations right i grew up in liberia uh, in um, chicago and although i was raised by liberian parents i was raised for the most part you know with american cultural norms and so there are things that were expected that my parents know are expected that they know to just do that I didn't necessarily know and so I was nervous because lord knows I'm not trying to get cussed out by anybody I don't want anybody to be like oh she's so rude she's all of these things because I'm not and so I just didn't know you know if I could meet those and then three this I mean four sorry not three but the fourth thing is I was afraid I might be homesick this was the longest time I've ever spent on vacation so it was three weeks um and I just didn't know what to expect the longest time I've taken away was a week at this point I think yeah a week when I went to Hawaii but outside of that my trips usually like three four like four days four days to a week and so three weeks is a really long time in another country I, like I just I was just scared out of my mind um, but then I got there and to say the trip was everything that I expected would be right and wrong. So it was everything that I expected, everything that I didn't expect. Um, it changed me in ways that I, um, I don't even know that I fully comprehend it or fully see the scope of. Um, I say that being there, I felt like gave me permission, permission that I didn't even know that I needed permission that I didn't know that I wanted, but I, I felt like something was lifted. I felt like some chapters were closed, some things started to make sense. Um, and it just felt like it was what I needed to close out the decade and start the new decade. So, we'll, I'll give you a little bit of the, the Sparknose version of the trip because again, it was three weeks. And so, we'll start with the challenging parts. Um, there were a lot of people, y'all, like so many people. And because I hadn't been back in so long, most of the, like the real grown-ups who remembered me as a kid everybody wanted at least for the first third of the trip everybody wanted FaceTime. literally everyone um so there were there weren't that many opportunities to decompress um and i'm someone who needs time to just be like hey let me close my door let me close my office door because i need like i need to think i need to process and so that was a lot and my parents are both from large families and they are from different villages and so we had to make trips to both of the villages. And so our schedules were so packed. Like, if y'all think my schedule in Chicago when I'm at work is crazy, it had nothing on the first third of our trip. We were going, always going somewhere, seeing someone, someone was coming to us. And it was, you know, going to a soccer game, going to um, meet with the village elders, meeting with the women, meeting with with the family, spending time with my grandma. And it was just, it was a lot. Um, I'll post some pictures in the newsletter that's going out tomorrow um, that have, you know, some pictures of that time of the people, um, but it was a lot and it was very, very, very overwhelming for me. Another thing that was challenging Lord Jesus take the wheel literally were the roads. So Liberia is one of the least developed countries, I think, in Africa and definitely the least developed country on the west coast of Africa. And... Getting to my parents' village was, uh, I think it's like 284 miles or something like that. That trip took us 22 hours to complete on the way back and 19 hours to get there because the roads were so bad. Like, if I never, ever, ever get on those roads ever again, I would not be sad. It just took so long and it was a bumpy ride the entire time and... If, Lord, if no, I told my parents after we were done, we're not doing this again. There's absolutely no reason that we should have to do this until we have to figure out other ways to get to the villages. But the roads were so bad. We got into a car accident coming back and it just, it was a lot to handle. It made my nerves bad, but... It was, at the time, the only way for us to get to my grandma and the rest of my family, and so we did it, but that was a challenge, to say the least, and I'll leave it at that because I know my dad listens to this podcast, and I don't want him uh, to come for me, but the roads were a challenge. Uh, Another thing that was challenging was the language, so although English is the first language of the country, in the villages, people speak our native dialect, and my sister and I don't speak it. And so a lot of the times we had to depend on either my parents or someone else who was with us to translate. And so it felt like I was just like a good looking piece of furniture who was just sitting there and people would just stare at us. And so it was hard to communicate with my grandparents. It was hard to understand what was happening. People would be talking to me and I wouldn't know that they were talking directly to me just because I didn't understand. And I think that it's hard because our language also is not a written language and I want to challenge myself to try to learn the language this year but it was it was hard there were people who spoke English a lot of people but the elders didn't and I felt like I lost a bit of my culture because I don't speak the language and so I want to make sure that I can you know work on that for the future um and I think the third the, the last thing that was a bit of a challenge was I just didn't remember a lot of the places and I felt like I had to remind myself that I was very young when I left, but there was so much of, it, it all felt very new to me. Um, I thought that I would remember more. Most of the places that I remember, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I only remembered because there was some trauma associated with it, but in general, I just didn't remember as much as I had hoped to remember. And the things that I did remember didn't look the way that I remembered them. And so that felt, that made me kind of sad, but pretty much those were the only challenging things. Um, But now to the good things. So let me first start by saying that the people are beautiful. Um, I didn't wear any makeup at all during the trip. And I just felt like... I felt the most beautiful that I've ever felt. Because everyone that I saw was a reflection of... Like they looked like me. And because they were beautiful, I felt like I was beautiful. Um, And there just wasn't the pressure to to look a certain way or or do a certain thing because nobody cared. And so I was able to just kind of be free. I wore shorts most of the time. And y'all know that in America, I hardly wear shorts. Um, And the people were just so, uh, there was a level of um, like leisure to their lives that I wish that, um, that I wish I had taken the, the, the freedom to, or the liberty to incorporate into my life a lot sooner. Um, uh, there's just a spirit of resilience with the people that I don't know that I've witnessed and because the country has gone through so much and the people have gone through so much, it was just, it was amazing to see and there's this just a sense of pride in Liberians to be Liberians and I, I really enjoyed observing, I really did. Um, the second thing, the food, y'all listen, and I know I said that I was eating a whole lot, but I actually lost weight while I was in Liberia and I ate, all the time, but I, every meal was a home was a home cooked meal. Everything was delicious. I had to, I got to eat a lot of the favorites from my childhood that I had not like. I had a coconut straight from our coconut tree, and it was a baby coconut, and just the 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 richness of the food and, and feeling connected through the food was phenomenal. Um, I got to another thing that was amazing was that I got to create new memories with my. With my sister, if you know me, you know that William is like, she's my person. She is the person that I talk to most often, the person that I probably spend the most time with. And we have so many stories and we have a notebook full of quotes and phrases and experiences that happen. And to be able to have my first time back be, be with my sister and when she was younger right she doesn't have any memories of us together in Liberia because the war started right after she was born and so she doesn't she didn't really remember much and so there were no memories of me and her together in that space and it was so awesome to be able to do that again to do that with her this time as whole grown women um another thing was getting to spend quality time with my parents I think For me, it was such a blessing to be able to see Liberia through my parents' eyes at an age where I'm old enough to comprehend what those things mean. So, for example, we were able to drive the roads that my mom would walk to and from school every day. I think it was like a half a mile or two miles each way. And just get a sense of you know, what her life was like and her memories and her emotions that were associated with that. I also got to see where they went to school and where my dad went to college and where they worked and their first apartment together as a married couple and get to hear stories of, you know, the soccer fields that they build and and the time in the village and the farm and and just how their lives were. And it it gave me a new perspective into um, who they are and and the pieces that shaped them. Um, and it was just awesome, And to see them interact in their native land, I didn't realize how Liberian my parents are. And they are super Liberian, which is, which is phenomenal. So I felt, I just felt joy that I got to see my country through my parents' eyes and understand the love that they have for the people in the country. Um, another thing that I really thought was a blessing was the way of life, right? So there's a very leisurely, uh, approach to life and you know that can be good or bad I will not get into the politics of it all but there's just a sense of you know spending time with your family I know mean, on Sundays things shut down so if you want to go to church with your family you can and you know people eat together people like it's just it was just there was no rush or no pressure to always be achieving and to be doing and to be um and to just be on all the time and granted there are implications for the country because of this but that's neither here nor the there. I just appreciated being um, being able to experience that while I was there. And I think the last thing that was a real blessing for me during this time is I feel like I got a piece of my life back, right? A piece of my childhood. Um, I got to see where my life started and kind of the foundational pieces that made me or make me who I am. And getting to to reacquaint myself with those spaces and those customs and those um, those things really like, they, it changed me. It, it confirmed certain things, but it made me feel, feel very proud of um, where life started for me. And knowing all that I've been able to accomplish since those humble beginnings um, really made me reflect on the things that matter the most to me and the things that I feel like should matter the most to me. Um, but it was just, it was phenomenal. I felt like, I said on the Facebook post that I made, I left here, I left Chicago feeling very stuck, emotionally stuck, feeling very overwhelmed, and I left Liberia and came back to Chicago feeling like a grown woman, like a whole human with experiences and I just, like, I felt like somebody hit the go button and I got stuck and it just, it was, it was phenomenal. I, I learned so much from the trip and, um, but I'm gonna share with you all the top six things that I learned that I plan to be um, to apply to both my life and my career for at least 2020, but for the foreseeable for the foreseeable future. So the first lesson is while where you come from doesn't define where you'll end up, it can contribute to it in positive ways if you let it. So I think the la- the last thing that I said was about getting a piece of my childhood back and understanding the pieces and the fabric that make me who I am and I come from a a country of really strong and resilient people right and being there reminded me of how strong I am and I had moments right when we went through the places where we walked when you know the rebels came and took us and the distance that I walked as a six-year-old with no food and no water for extended periods of time and I realized like I survived and thrived through so much in my first six years of life, and so when things would come up that just seemed like it was a lot of overwhelming, I would remind myself that like my soul and my body has survived things that were so much harder, which lets me know that I am capable, right? So the the two hundred and whatever miles may have been may have sucked, but I was capable of making it through, right? And so while. Looking back at that time, there was a ton of tragedy around where I came from and there was a lot of good stuff as well. I think it reminded me to have confidence in what I'm capable of. So in terms of my career, when I'm taking on new things, be it a new product, a new job, a new conversation, understanding that I am capable, even if it feels like it's too much. I've already proven to myself that I am capable. And so this goes back to the what if, uh, what is document that I was talking about. There's nothing that can convince me that I'm not capable of some of the, the things that I want to do with my life because I've already overcome things that were harder, so much harder than that thing. So that was amazing. Lesson number two, is that excuses really are the enemy of progress. So a lot of the things that I said or I acted like I couldn't do while I was in Chicago. For whatever reason, when your girl got to Liberia, I was able to do all of those things with ease. And just didn't even think twice about it. So for example, when I um, when I was here, I was like, oh, I want to intermittent fast. And I had, I had every reason in the book not to do it. Do you know that intermittent intermittent fasted? Three weeks in my beard with no issues, like zero issues, or like the fact that I feel like I need a snack every three minutes because I'm bored. I had zero snacks, and if I had a snack, it was some plantain or some some fruit or something, which was rare. But I had I had none of the snacks, and guess what? I didn't die. I'm still out here thriving. I'm I'm great right but all of a sudden when I was here I would make all these excuses in the world why I needed to consume something from the vending machine or because I was trying to avoid something or whatever Um, so someone who wasted so much time on Instagram because y'all know I'm addicted to Instagram and I I couldn't be productive I probably didn't spend more than two hours on Instagram the entire time that I was there granted Wi-Fi was a challenge at times, but it proved to me that I could do them, right? If I really wanted to and I wasn't making excuses, I could do them. And so what I want to bring into 2020, and I would encourage you to do the same as well, is this no excuses life, right, when it comes to getting things done. I was able to write, like, do the blueprint for a product for I Choose a Ladder that I'm super excited about that's going to be launching at the end of the year in, like, early, end of Q3, early Q4. So stay tuned. It will be in the newsletter, so remember to subscribe. Um, But I would say I don't have time, but I found the time to do it. And it just just reminded me that distractions – and this will go on to like one of the other lessons, I think this lesson is four, but excuses are just distractions, right? And so for me this year, it's how do I stop making excuses so I can do things like read more career books because I want to like listen to podcasts. I'm going to date and prioritize my personal life. Last year I just said I was, but this year I've actually started taking some action. Um, so yeah, that's happening. Um... And I'm excited about it. I know you guys can hear me smiling. Um, I'm just going to do all the things that I want to do without excuses because I know that I can and I need to stop playing games because it's a new decade and anybody got time to fooling around. Lesson three, and this goes back to the thing with my therapist, is that you have to put yourself at the top of your own priority list. One thing, and this got on my nerves, I didn't put it <laughs> in the challenges because it's, it's a whole other conversation but one thing that Liberians are good at is prioritizing themselves and then making sure that they're good and then worrying about everybody else later like they come first to themselves um, and that's counter to how I was raised Right? I was raised that you put others first you take care of other people it's just a part of you know what it means to be a good human being and because of my personality and you not know, because I'm extra I'm at the extreme end of that spectrum so I would put um people and things for other people first and i would at my own detriment sometimes and i won't talk about the financial stuff and the the time sucks and all of that but although i said i matter to myself my actions prove that, that was a lie and so for this upcoming year i'm practicing being selfish not not to to hurt other people but I really need to see what life looks like and how much more I have to pour to others when my cup is actually full and so one of the things that I'm doing now and I started since I've gotten back, before I do anything for anyone else during the day and that means work, that means friends, that means my parents, that means everybody, I must do something for myself. And sometimes that's looked like working out in the mornings. It's looked like meditation in the mornings, some quiet time, having a cup of tea to myself, whatever it is. Before I do something for anyone else, before I check emails where people are asking me to do stuff or needing me to do stuff, before I do anything for anyone else, I'm doing something for myself first because I need to show myself that I need that I matter to myself. Um, and so that was that was a lesson. And so. I'm not extending myself this uh, this year for anyone or anything, um, and I'm sure that's going to cause some you know some challenges and some shifts in relationships. But I'm okay with that, right? Because the relationship with myself really needs to really needs to be a little a lot healthier, and that means putting myself at the top of my own priority list. And so for you, I want you to be honest with yourself, right? Are there things that you know are important to you? that you're not doing because you've prioritized everyone else, right? Is there a job or promotion that you want and you know that you have some skill gaps, but as opposed to taking that class, you're going to some event to support a friend because that's the only way to support the friend, right? I would I would encourage you or, or challenge you to try to find a different narrative around what going to that event actually means in terms of support. Um, but what things you need to say no to so that you can say yes to yourself. Prioritize yourself, people, because there are people out here in this world who are prioritizing themselves and they are not really pressed about how that impacts you or what you got going on. So don't be a jerk, but you need to matter to yourself. And the only way that you can tell yourself that you matter to yourself is through your actions. Um, lesson four, your ability to focus and eliminate distractions is going to be your key to success. Um I was out here reading books in my Beer that I said I didn't have time to read. So the two of the books that I read that were phenomenal are *Focus* and um, *The Subtle Art of Not Giving a pip. Y'all know what that word is if you've heard of the book. And it really had me thinking about if I cared about too many things, if I was doing too many things, if I was not, um, if I was not too scattered in order to actually be um, be impactful. I would I highly recommend both of those books. Um, because I think it encouraged me to focus more on impact and a narrow scope so you'll see that we did a lot in year one for I Choose the Ladder we're gonna shave a lot of the stuff down and focus on a handful of things that I think are impactful so the podcast being more regular the newsletter being more helpful and and, and resource rich uh, the career summit being as amazing as possible and a couple of live events last year we did last year we did like eight we probably do two this year and then this product that I'm working on that I'm so excited about y'all and I know that I keep saying it but I've talked it through with some people and there are already people who are willing to buy it and are encourage me to hurry up and get it done but in terms of timing it's the end of the year but I decided to eliminate distractions and so and focus right so no more G-chat at work. And y'all know I love t- chatting on G-chat at work. It's gone. Um, and I've shaped my days so that I can do the things that matter or that I say matter um, so that I'm not neglecting and I'm I'm pouring into the things that I'm focused on. So like I work out in the mornings now so that I have evenings to spend with my friends or do extra work. I have a set number of hours per day that I'm working on things for I choose the latter which has to happen outside of the work day and so the mornings and the evenings I'm utilizing and so I'm not going out as much and I'm not um socializing as much but a lot of the times it I'm fine with not doing all those things and also just social media in general so I Instagram is meant for a sales tool and a marketing tool and I think I spend more too much of my time on the personal side of Instagram and so I'm shifting my focus and if they're not things that are marketing I choose the ladder or the things that we're doing or engaging with the the I choose the Ladder community you probably won't see me much on social media just know that I'm good um, but I just need the time to focus on the things that matter and see how much you know how impactful I can be my sister shared a quote with me that says most people overestimate what they can do in a day and underestimate what they can do in a year and for me, it's seeing if I actually focus on the things that I want to accomplish, not what I think I should be accomplishing because I'm looking at social media, I'm like, oh, this person's hanging out with this person and doing this and going to this game, and, and all those things. If I actually focus on what it is that I want to accomplish, how that ends up changing the course of I choose a ladder and I choose a ladder community in my career for this upcoming year. Lesson five, this one's a tough one, y'all, because you know I'm all about goals but you have to make goals that set you up for success. And let me tell you why I say that. So the narrative around goals is always like, you know, you make these big goals and you strive for the greatest and you do all these things. And, you know, if your goal is, you know, within reach and it's not big enough and blah, blah, blah. And so as someone who, you know, I'm, I'm bold, I um I also realize the visions that I have for myself. So what I expected the Career Summit to be For most people, that's their year five vision. And for me, it was my goal for a year one vision. And when I didn't accomplish it, I felt like such a failure, right? And so the goals that I've made, although they're smart goals and they're measurable and all those things, they tend to have me at the end of the year feeling very, very, very bad about myself, if I'm being honest, because regardless of how much I accomplished, because my goals were so huge, I feel like a failure. I feel like I didn't meet my goals and so something is wrong. So I'm taking a different approach this year. I'm making smaller goals. I have the big picture in mind, but for me, I have smaller goals. So the the newsletter, I have a very, I think, a reasonable goal of how many subscribers I want to have engaged with the newsletter by the end of the year. So again, if you don't, if you haven't subscribed, subscribe, and if you find the newsletter valuable, please encourage your friends. Um, who you think could benefit from the newsletter to also subscribe because that's my goal this year is to focus on growing that newsletter base above everything else. So Instagram followers, that would be great. Facebook would be great, but the newsletter is really where I'm putting my focus. And my goal isn't too crazy. Um... But please do please share it with them because that's what I'm focusing on. Or things like weight loss. My goals for my weight loss are like four pounds at a time. And once I hit those four pounds, I'll make a new goal. I'm not saying I want to lose 40 pounds because from where I am to 40 pounds seems very, very, very large and also I don't need to lose 40 pounds. But just making goals that I can feel good about and I know that with the appropriate amount of discipline is achievable for me. Um, and you know, I just want to make sure that I'm putting myself in a place where I feel like it's great. Like if I have a salary that I want to be making, making sure that I'm not so out of control of like I need to make a hundred thousand more this year. Although that is possible, and there is we won't talk about that. But um, and then if it doesn't happen, and I make. 60000 more this year than I feel like I'm a failure because there's a $40,000 difference, right? So for you, look at your goals and I'm not saying don't dream big. I'm not saying don't uh, don't put emphasis on accomplishing great things. What I am saying is make your goals in, in a way and focus on your goals and strategize around your goals in ways that set you up for success. So this year, if you are a manager, don't make your goal to become vice president. I mean, you can, but the there are two... For some people, there's senior manager, director, senior director, or there might be just senior manager, director, and then vice president. So realistically, unless some you know some extra, like, extra circumstances happen that make that happen, at the end of the year, you could feel like a failure if you don't hit that vice president goal. But if you have a goal that you hit and then you have to readjust it, I think that that is fine. And that's my approach. I'm going to make goals that I know with the appropriate amount of action and discipline I can hit. And then I will just make new goals as opposed to always falling short of the goals that I'm making and feeling like I'm a failure because clearly I'm not, I killed it last year, but you couldn't tell by the end of the year because I felt so down because I hadn't hit all of these wild goals that I set for myself. So slow and steady is my motto. And then the sixth thing and my very last thing that um, I will leave you all with is, the sixth lesson is that you get to write your own story. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about what I wanted my story to be, what I wanted to do as I choose the ladder, why I wanted to do those things, um, who I wanted to do it with, what I wanted the impact to be, and why I wanted those things, right? And how who I am and um, and how I show up contribute to who and what it is that I do, right? And I know a lot of times people ask me questions about confidence and how I I'm able to ask for the things that I ask for and do the things that I that I do and ask for the like the career things and the just the mentors and the people who are in my life. And I think it's because I've decided. I think I decided when I was really young that life is short. I could have died at any point during the war. I could die any point now, right? Um, and so while I still have the resources and, the, and the, the ability, I'm going to write my own story, right? And specifically as it pertains to my career. And I'm not going to take on jobs or positions because I feel like that's what it is that I want to do. I'm not going to uh, that I have to do, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do things where I choose the ladder because I feel like that's what's going to make me popular. Or that's what's going to bring all of this like extra revenue and all those things. I'm gonna write this story, my career story, um, in a way that I think brings me the most joy and makes me feel like I am in perfect alignment with God's vision for my life, right? And so if that requires me to take a job that has a lower title, but it provides me some other thing, I'm not gonna be afraid to do that. Although that is not what I'm doing, so let's not put that out there. But if that were to occur, right? Because I get to decide my story outside of people's judgments and their thoughts and their and their um, and their own opinions, right? Because a lot of times our career success, it, we we look at it as a reflection of our our personal worth. And so we want to do certain things and we want to make sure that people, you are you know, in the headlines and people see you as a thought leader and all of those things. And we assume that certain titles and all those things are what are going to bring those things on. But I recognized last year that even with all those things, if you are not happy with the work that you're doing, it does not matter. All it does is make other people feel good about you and not necessarily you feel good about the work that you're doing. And so. I encourage you to write your story if there is a job that an opportunity that comes your way and you know it may not make sense to people externally but it makes sense to you I say go for it right life is too short there are tons of opportunities as long as you are open and you are doing the work things tend to work out and so I just want to say I'm excited for what we're going to do together with I choose the Ladder in 2020 I'm excited for um the things that we have going on. I'm excited about the Career Summit because we we just kicked off our our host committee meetings and the sessions that we have planned are super amazing. They're out of the box. They're different than anything that I've seen at any of the other conferences that people have. And so again, I encourage you to subscribe to the newsletter because that's where most of the communication will come from. And you can do that by texting CLIMB, C-L-I-M-B, to 66866. And as always, if you want to keep the conversation going, you can join us on Facebook at I Choose a Ladder or also follow us on Instagram. I'm going to be more active this year with good resources and you can follow us on Instagram at I Choose the Ladder. And until next time, thank you for listening.